The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. I never thought I'd have to see Enfet again, but the National Public Health Emergency Team is back in the news because of the reporting, delayed reporting, it can be said, of a paper given in November by Professor Martin Cormican, who was belatedly brought back into Enfit. He's a Galway academic, a former HSE head of infection. And there's some very interesting remarks he made in this presentation to the Irish Society of Clinical Microbiologists last November. One of the things that he says, which may not go down well, is that we probably should have just gone for mandatory vaccination far more quickly than having this uh, vaccination for international travel only. He says that would have been straightforward and more honest. However, he was very sceptical about the impact of widespread mask use, which in fairness to him, he was open enough about at the time was brought in as well. And he believes that Ireland focused too much on short-term metrics such as case numbers and mortality, imposed measures that excessively limited basic freedoms for too long and failed to take adequate account of collateral damage to health and well-being, especially on those who are already vulnerable or disadvantaged. Now, Professor Martin Cormican is not available today because of prior commitments he has says that he said that he will be able to join us hopefully next week and we will return to this topic but to discuss it now we're joined by Professor Anthony Staines, Chair of Health Systems at the School of Nursing and Human Sciences in Dublin City University and Michael McNamara, Independent TD and Chair of the Oireachtas COVID Committee when that was in existence. Uh, Anthony Staines I'll start with you um, okay hindsight is easily enough applied as they joke 2020 vision but much of what Martin Cormican says, in hindsight, is he right? He's partly right and partly wrong. I, I, I think the evidence that masks reduce transmission of COVID is really quite strong at this point. There's about 15 studies that really show significant benefit, and the CDC has thoughtfully summarised all of them for us. Where he's absolutely right, I think, is that NEFIT needs serious looking at. It's intended as an emergency response team, and that's fine if you have an acute emergency. I remember maybe 15 years ago, there was a fire, I think, in a tire dump in Dublin, and there were clouds of black smoke drifting across the city. And that's the kind of thing for which you needed an emergency public health input to a response. But once it was clear that COVID was going to continue to run, which was clear from really quite early on, we should have moved towards a more measured response, towards a group of people who had responsibility for managing a pandemic rather than an emergency response team. And I'm not sure that we're much further forward with that now. If, and God forbid, this should happen, but if there is another pandemic shortly, I don't think we're much better prepared really than we were when COVID struck. But we would have different people in charge as as some of the key people have left their positions uh, Mm. since Enfit was in its full glory, so to speak. But what could have been done differently, so as you see it in that situation? Because we did get to a stage where everything Enfit said was taken almost like as gospel. And government seemed even afraid to contradict whatever recommendations were coming out of Enfit, certainly for a lengthy period. Well, I think what the government did was they abdicated a responsibility to make decisions to ENFIT. And that wasn't fair to ENFIT themselves, who are a group of people like me, you know, specialists in various areas, 
doing our best with the limited knowledge to make an intelligible response to a problem. But the upshot of it is that really we didn't do too badly. We could have done better. But probably what NFET missed was proper risk assessment of the pros and cons of the various measures they brought in. And you may remember the five levels and the three levels and the various levels that we went through, which caused a certain amount of confusion at the time. And there was no no very substantial basis for those. There were attempts to do something effective in a very difficult situation. And obviously with hindsight, it's easier to tell that now. But if we had had more formal epidemiological input, more professional risk assessment input, I think it would have been helpful at least. And that's certainly something we should consider for you know, pr- pandemic preparedness in the future. Okay, Michael McNamara, you were the independent TD as chair of the Oireachtas COVID committee and you were critical at times of the government response. What do you make of these comments from Professor Martin Cormacan? Um, they're interesting. I suppose I was possibly more critical after the the, the committee, as as uh, as the restrictions continued. For I mean, the committee was was abolished in the summer of 2020. Restrictions considered for or continued for almost another 12 months. Um, he, his comments are interesting. Certainly, I mean, I suppose he takes issue with the whole idea of uh, following the science, and uh, he says that the maxim is both misleading and immoral. Um, what, what do you I mean by that? Well, you'd have to ask him what he, he meant by it, but I suppose what he suggested is that the science was maybe not as clear at the time as was being portrayed. Um, and, um, you know, anybody who questioned the measures that were brought in paid a price. I mean, I suppose we should recall that uh, Dr. Martin Feely lost his job with the HSE for saying pretty much uh, some of the things that Professor Cormican is now, uh, who was a member of COVID at the time, or a member of uh, NEFET at the time, is now saying. Um, you know, there was a, a climate of uh, keep your head down, don't speak out at the time. I mean, there was a, a huge furore over... Um, but it was unprecedented times, Michael. Isn't that just the nature of that? You almost have to take a firm position and stick to it. Otherwise, everything will just go completely haywire. Yeah, I mean, you know, there were a, a huge amounts of... of um, uh, there was a high death rate at the time. There was a very, very high death rate at the end of this year as well. And, um, you, you know, I'm not quite in agreement that it was unprecedented. I mean, we have had... Um, very high death rates. We have posed huge challenges before, um, but there was an unprecedented level of um, anxiety and fear in the air. Certainly, that was unprecedented, and hopefully, will not be repeated at any time in the in, in in the future. I think we need to learn from this that sometimes some of the measures that appear, um, he he questions, and I'm sure. Um, uh, uh, Dr. Staines disagrees, but while he seems to accept that mask wearing has benefits, he says that the benefits are so slight as to as not to warrant uh, a legal requirement to wear them. Um, uh, and he also you know, said, yet, also at ventilation, Michael, that uh, there was limited evidence or very limited evidence that better ventilation would have limited the spread of COVID-19 and nor did the evidence support wide open windows resulting in freezing schoolrooms, nursing homes, hospitals and buses. Yeah, I mean, that's also stated in his report. He does state that. Um, 
So, you know, I suppose, so I I suppose what it points to me is the importance of, of of interrogating expertise. I mean, you know, it's easy to present expertise as, as black and white, expert advice as black and white when it's often not and it's often dependent on, on contingencies. And um, I think that need, when decision makers are making decisions, that needs to be interrogated. It needs to be, um, well, well, can uh, I go back to Professor Anthony Staines on this? And one of the things Mm. I suppose for a lot of people in retrospect that they would regret is that people were stopped from being with loved ones as they died in hospitals, as they were seriously ill, as they were in nursing homes, that visiting was stopped and restricted. And that that may have exacerbated distress for older people and ill people in particular, that they were denied human contact, even if apparently for good reasons, but perhaps in retrospect not. I think that's the sort of question you need to proper risk assessments for. There are conditions, some of the hemorrhagic fevers, for example, where very tragically you can't allow relatives access to dying people because the risk to the relatives is just too high. COVID, in my judgment, is not one of those conditions and I think most people would agree with that now. Uh, Whether the evidence warranted at the time, I don't think it did. I think the evidence was that although it was infectious, that the infectivity could be managed reasonably well with fairly ordinary hygiene approaches and also with masks and ventilation because, again, I disagree with Professor Cormac and I think the evidence, certainly for ventilation and masks, is relatively strong. The evidence for air filtration is a bit thinner, but it's uh, certainly consistent overall. But the, the decision, some of the decisions that were made were difficult to accept and they caused a great deal of distress to a lot of people. And I don't think a proper assessment of the risks and benefits of all of those decisions was done. It would have been challenging to do it in the time available. But even once you'd brought in such a, a rule, you could then sit down and look at it and say, well, this is what we decided to do. It actually, does this make sense? And as we learned more about the disease, and we learned more about the disease very quickly, uh, we might have been able to revise those rules. When this first hit, we thought we might well be dealing with something like SARS-CoV-1, which has a 10% death rate. It looks like SARS-CoV-2 had around a 1%, 0.8% death rate, which is very, very different. And of course, there are diseases where the death rate is 30% or okay. 40%. I want to finish with you, Michael McNamara, because something else that Professor Cormack brought up was the length of time the schools were shut. And there's a significant number of people, parents in particular, who now feel that that went on for way too long and the lack of socialisation for children over an extended period of time, be they primary school or secondary school, has created problems that still exist. Now, and again, it's hindsight, it's retrospect, but should the government perhaps have taken a firmer line in insisting that the schools reopen, despite the opposition that was expressed by various teachers' unions? I mean, look, there was evidence at the time of the impact that it was going to to have on children, in particular children from um, disadvantaged backgrounds, because, you know, one of the place they can go in our society to be treated equally with other children and receive equal supports as schools that was taken from them. children with disabilities suffered a huge um, uh, amount of anxiety their parents suffered a huge amount of anxiety they were locked into houses uh, with them uh, without the supports that they need to give them uh, the supports you know to, to give them the life they deserve 
that was all evident at the time. Um, Dr. Steen said that it's now become apparent that the death rate was far uh, lower than was feared, but that was evident at a very early stage. I mean, I, I recall uh, studies at a very, very early stage during the first lockdown when it was evident that uh, it, it, towards the end of the first lockdown that yes, this was serious. Yes, this had, uh, was an unpredicted, the impact it would have on people was unpredictable and it was potentially fatal for people, but it wasn't um, uh, quite as dangerous as people feared. So, I mean, all of that information was uh, was available at a relatively early stage, certainly before uh, in um, in early 2020. And of course, lockdowns went on much later than that. Uh, schools were shut much later than that. Children were deprived of services much later than that. Uh, hospitals, uh, vital testing uh, was not made available to people much later than that. Uh, it seems to me that the essential criticism that Dr. Cormack has, and I disagree with much of what's in his report, in particular around the idea of compulsory vaccination, but much of what is uh, much of his criticism is, is how long the restrictions went on for after it became apparent that they weren't uh, that there was no foundation in science for a lot of what was proposed okay. uh, and uh, accepted without criticism, without analysis by the government at the time. Thank you very much, Michael McNamara, Independent TD and Professor Anthony Staines. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today FM.